Good morning and welcome to Rimrock Church. So good to have everybody here. We just want to lift up the name of Jesus this morning. And uh, yeah, let's, let's do this thing. Let's praise him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. Two, three. So with all your mind and with all your strength, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And with all your, we're going to sing that again. Come on. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Yeah, yeah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. With all your strength, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I will serve you. I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. Love will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. All right, here we go. Amen. 
Hey, oh, I forgot. Okay. <laughs> I can go back. Okay. I didn't know if they really wanted me up here or not. So, <laughs> good morning, you guys. Welcome to Rimrock. If you're new here, we just want to welcome you guys um, and, and ask you to fill out a card in the seat back in front of you, um, fill out your information, take it back to the welcome desk, and we'd love to get to know you more and uh, help you get connected here at Rimrock. Um, couple of announcements. Okay, just one announcement. But Trunk or Treat is happening October 26th from 5.30 to 7.30. So that's going to be Wednesday night here at the church. Candy donations are needed. You might have seen some are already starting to accumulate out in the foyer there. Um, so you guys are welcome to bring uh, and drop off big bags of candy to help with that for the kids. Um, if you would like to do and put on a, a booth that the kids can go around to and interact with and play with, you can contact Karen or Josh, um, and they will get you set up and help get coordinated for that. So that's happening October 26th, 530 here at the church. Um, okay. Um, if you guys don't know me, my name is Hannah. You might be thinking, gosh, she looks really familiar. Where do I know her from? It's usually over here, over there. I know this is really different and probably throwing you off, but it's the same person. Um, so I'm here today to get to share with you guys a little bit about Campus Ventures, uh, which is a college ministry that I've been working with for a little over eight years now. Uh, this ministry exists to help college students figure out life and faith, how that works together. So we do this by discipling and mentoring college students one-on-one, -on -one, as well as a small group and large group Bible studies. But our main desire, our main focus are those one-on-one -on -one relationships where we get to follow the model that Jesus gave us to love the world, help many, and serve just a few. So get to invest deeply into a few people in their walk with the Lord. So our desire is to help train them for their whole life, not just provide a nice little Bible study that they can show up to in college and say that was something I did once upon a time, but we want to help equip them with the training and skills needed to follow God for their entire life, um, to glorify God and serve the body of Christ so that they will go out after college and start investing in and discipling others and continue joining God in the work that he's doing here in this world. So, to help give you guys an idea of what it is that we do, um, what our ministry looks like, I thought I would just show you. So I brought a little video that we're gonna play now.
think there are three specific ways that I've really been blessed and influenced by campus mentors. And the first is through just the hearts of individuals, both the leadership staff and the students, their pursuit of God's word and the truth and how to live that out in their daily lives has been a huge inspiration to me and a huge encouragement as well to continue growing in that way for myself personally. All right, so fun. Um, those students, they help kind of give you guys a picture better than I could just standing up here and talking, but you might have recognized some faces or even a location in there. Um, and we're gonna just do it again. Um, <laughs> but we've been, we've been so grateful for Rimrock and their partnership and generosity and letting us come up and use the facilities here, bringing up our students just multiple times. We're really grateful um, for this space here for multiple reasons. But first, I just want to briefly speak to students. Um, if you're in college or even college age and you're looking for a place to get connected for fellowship, you're wanting to study the Bible and grow in your walk with Jesus, then I would love to meet you and help you get connected um, and come alongside you in that. Uh, again, our desire is not just to provide a nice little place to come hang out during college, but to hopefully give you tools and training that will last for life with you. Um, now, if you're not a college student, that's okay. Um, there's still something here that applies to you. As you can see, there's a lot of people here um, and more than I will be able to connect with. And so part of me being up here today is just to wanna make you aware of this ministry and this organization that's available to college students um, and to people in the community. So if you meet somebody here, you meet somebody outside of Rimrock that is looking for a place where other college students or young adults are meeting together and studying the Bible, please um, you know, help get us connected in some way. Um, and then the other way you can help is by partnering with me financially and in prayer. So 
part of my job is raising support and developing partnerships that allow me to serve on campus full-time with these students. And so it's not a ministry I do at all by myself, but with many, many people. Um, and what I love about this part of my job is it gives me an opportunity to sit down with you guys and get to know you a little bit more personally, and then for you to get to know me and more about what I do and why I do it. Uh, and then just leave that opportunity between you and the Lord. Is this a place that he's asking you to invest in and be a part of? So if that sounds like something you're interested in and you want to get coffee or have dinner together and hear more, I would love so much to get to share with you guys more about um, this ministry. And um, I will be out in the foyer afterwards. I have a little table there that you can sign up to receive my newsletter. You can sign up if you'd like to be followed up with. Um, and there's some magnets and fun little things out there. And I'd love to share more with you guys uh, after the service. Um, and that's, I think, all I have. Thank you guys so much for letting me share with you guys. I'm going to pray, and uh, then we'll continue with worship. So, Father, we just thank you for uh, being able to be here today and worship you. God, thank you that you allow us to be a part of your work and to join you um, in your ministry here in this world. Would you just continue to turn our eyes to you this morning in worship, in reverence, and obedience to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Hannah. I think if you've been here for a while, you know what an incredible blessing uh, Hannah's been to this ministry, to this church, and to me personally. She's really helped shoulder the load of the worship ministry, and so just blessed to have her. Amen. Let's do this. I am holding on to you. I am holding on to you in the middle of the storm. I'm holding on, I Amen. All right, let's sing this. There's no space that his love can't reach. There's no place where we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace. It took me with your arms. It took me like an orphan child Never let go, never leave my side I am holding on to you I am holding on to you In the middle of the storm I'm holding on, I am oh, Let's sing that again Oh my God, to find I am overwhelmed with the joy divine. Love like this sets our hearts on fire. Yes, it does. And I am holding on to you. I am holding on to you. In the middle of the storm, I'm holding on. Oh, 
my resurrection song. This is my hallelujah come. This is why it's to you I run. Cause there's no space that I'd love can reach. There's no place where we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace. Lift it up, here we go. Sing this, I am holding on to you. I am holding on to you in the middle of the storm. I'm holding on. I am. If you're in the middle of a storm in your life right now, listen to Jesus. He's saying this. I am. Holding on to you, I am holding on to you in the middle of the storm. I'm holding on. I will tell of your wonders, sing of your grace, the God of creation. Knows me by name, the Lord is faithful, yesterday, now, and always, always. Your mercy is mighty, age after age, and all generations will bow down in praise. The Lord is faithful, yesterday, now, and always. I believe there are wonders and signs, you're still the same, oh yes you are, yeah. I believe every word that you said, I believe there are scars in your hand, that your goodness is good without end, you'll never change, no you won't. So I will tell of your wonders, sing of your grace. The God of creation knows me by name. The Lord is faithful yesterday, now, and always, always. Your mercy is mighty, age after age, and all generations. We'll bow down in praise. The Lord is faithful yesterday, now, and always, always. I will believe you will come in the clouds. 
believe you are here even now in your presence I know there is power power to save I will tell of your wonders sing of your grace the God of creation knows me by name the Lord is faithful yesterday now and always always your mercy is mighty age after age and all generations bow down in praise the Lord is faithful yesterday now and always always you were you to him say you are you are you always will be God yeah you are you are you always will be God you always will be God I will tell her God of creation knows me by name. The Lord is faithful yesterday, now, and always. Yes, you are, God. Jesus, we thank you that you are so faithful in the midst of our unfaithfulness and our struggles. God, you never leave us. You never forsake us. God, and as Bill comes up today, we are just desperate to hear from you, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you fall on our ears, on our hearts, open our eyes to hear what you want to say to each one of us, because you are a personal God, Lord. And we want to hear something that changes us just a little more this morning. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. this on? Yep, there we go. Seems like a long time since I've seen you out here. Uh, we are continuing through the book of Mark, and uh, we always, it seems like, need to look back at the history of the book and what we have found out so far, because we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 12, starting with verse 13. And we need to kind of have a little bit of a background because the response of Jesus uh, can only be understood if we see the background. You'll notice a couple of things that were continually happening, and you'll see them throughout the different chapters. One is that Jesus is continually addressing and confronting uh, these religious people, and in, in confronting them, he is saying to them, uh, Mark chapter 7 example is a really good one, he's, he's talking to them about these people holding so tight to their traditions, they've basically left the relationship with God, the power of God, and the purposes of God. 
And he uses examples over and over again. He says, you guys, you guys have a mom that's really hurting. You don't, ha- you don't even help her out financially because you're holding to your own traditions of your tithing and your giving. And he says, you ought to be doing that, but you first ought to be taking care of your mom. But you basically make the words of God null and void to follow your own traditions. Now, you read that, and I read that, and it brings us way back to kind of a non-personal place. You don't have faces, but to think of that, that he is addressing you, he's addressing us, and he's saying, you guys, you're forgetting the things that God has told you. You've, you've left what is really of value and really of importance just to follow rules and tradition that your religion has set up for you. Over and over again, he keeps showing the distance between what God intended to do with a new covenant, with a new heart placed in his people, and one where people were trying to basically earn their way and make up their own rules. So you've got this going on, and the history of this is going on, and they are quite upset. As a matter of fact, over and over again, they are plotting to kill him, plotting to trap him. They're just not sure what's the best way to do it, because he has a lot of followers and a lot of people that are following him. And then again, you have another common theme that keeps going on, and he repeats it over and over again in the chapters earlier, and you probably remember hearing them. He's telling his disciples, he's telling the religious people, he's telling everybody that the Son of Man is going to be tortured, and he is going to be killed, and then he's going to raise the third day. And that, to me, sounds really clear what's going to happen, but every time afterwards they said they didn't quite understand what he was talking about. So you've got these two things coming on, and then we begin right here in in chapter 12, verse 13, and let's look at the first verse, and that'll give you kind of a little bit of a, a background here. It says, and they, they, these were all of these people gathered together, they were having quite a frustration with Jesus, and they said they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to him in order to trap him in a statement. Now let's pause there for a minute, because over and over in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, and especially even like with Job, and you hear the story, there's a verse in Job, chapter 33, and it basically says that God the Almighty will not answer an empty cry, nor will he even regard the question you're asking. Now what's an empty cry? Uh, we, We... all, I think, are guilty of that sometimes. An empty cry is a cry that basically says, God, I'm in trouble, and I want to ask you what I should do, and then I will take what you tell me to do, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of look at it and see if it's something I really want to follow or not. That's an empty cry. God doesn't even give the answer to an empty cry. An open cry is, God, if I might hear your voice, or even today, on this day of October, if I might hear your voice, I will attend my ears to it, and I will turn my body to it, and I will respond to it. That's an open cry. These people had no, no, they didn't want the answer. Their whole thing here that was going on is they were in the trap to kill him. Now, I did a lot of study about where Rome was at this time and what was going on in the politics of this day, and boy, did it remind me of today. And and basically, what they were wanting him to do is they were saying, we can trap him because we can, this was really a very diverse political time. Right before this, uh, the Roman emperor who just about died, he he brought a peace in uh, of Rome, and he then decided to 
portion out three parts of the Roman Empire, and there was uh, two different parts, and then there was a southern part. The, one of the parts uh, was ran by peaceful people that had great laws and great uh, rules, and they protected the people, and they got rid of pirates, and they were very, very good for the community. The other part was a, uh, a different. They still protected, but they did it a lot by warfare, and they did it by fear. But the southern part was ran by a guy who was a complete failure. And he was a mess, and he was bringing revolution, and he made the statement that said, you know, to go ahead and, and initiate taxes is like making people slaves. So he began to revolt, and he raised people up, and he began to revolt. He said he, he basically got the whole community together and says, we need to fight against this or our whole country is going to go underneath. And so he raised people up that would stand on his side, and they would fight against it, and they'd bring revolution against it. So this was going on at this time. You had a lot of warfare going on. And they were saying, let's ask him a question that they didn't want the answer to the question. They just wanted him to show who, who he was voting for. Are you going to vote for this guy or for this guy? Are you going to vote for Trump or Biden? Who are you standing with? Are you standing with the right or the left. And if we can get you to say one or the other, we can get the other group to kill you. Because then we're going to know that you're bringing a revolt or a revolution. That's what the purpose of the question was. Is that we just want you to show your hand. How many of you in the last three years have been kind of pressed to show your hand? Who are you standing for? What are you standing for? Jesus knew that. It said, and they came and said to him, teacher, we know. Now, this is, this is just building him up. You're such a truthful uh, and defer to no one, for you're not partial to any, but you always teach the way of God and truth. So is it lawful to pay poll tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? Listen to the next verse. But Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy said, why are you testing me? Why are you testing me? Now, he's, he's going to go ahead and do something here that uh, obviously is pretty cool because it says they're profoundly amazed by it. But he says, why don't you bring me a denarius? And now just note for a second, Jesus didn't have one on him. Now, if I ask you right now, of course, anymore, we're in a new generation. Us older people, we probably have money in our pockets, okay? And in that money, if I had you pull out a coin or a dollar bill, what does it say on that dollar bill? In God we trust. Uh, the coin in the Civil War was graved in God we trust, and not until 1957 did the dollar bill get put on in God we trust, but you would have that. There was a reason they put that on our dollar bill and on our currency. And the, the purpose of this uh, denaria was this. There were three different types of taxes. There was a tax, and this one here was one that basically was not very much. It was a, a very, very little amount of money. And the purpose of this tax alone was to basically say that you have this in your pocket. It really doesn't even belong to you, even when it's in your pocket. It belongs to Caesar. 
and it's just reminding you that Caesar is your boss and Caesar's your authority and he's over you and you're on, under him. That was the purpose of it. That everybody from a girl from age 14 up to 65 and a boy from an age 13 up to 65 was to carry one of these Daenerys to say, you are my boss. And I have allegiance and I make allegiance to you. Now there are other, other taxes. There are taxes of uh, one-tenth of your produce was given to the government for any type of, uh, uh, from cattle, from anything. And then one-fifth of your wine was to go to them. So there were different taxes. And then there was a third tax. And the third tax was a tax that basically was a tax for being alive. It's the fact that we are taking care of you. We're, we're doing your roads out here. We're doing your sewer. We're doing your things. So pay back and render to the government what they're helping you. And it's interesting that they're taking the denarius. And, and remember, this is the point. They're trying to make him make an allegiance so they can trap him and get him killed. And it's interesting. He takes the denarius and he says... And they brought it to him, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Now, when a new Caesar came in, all the other coins were destroyed, and all the other coins were made, and it had your picture on it if you were Caesar, to let him know that you were his boss. And he said, Well, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. It's his. It rightfully belongs to him. Don't fight against it. That's the way the system is set up, and you're being, you're being taken care of by the system, so use your responsibility and get rendered to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But he throws in a little curveball and render to God the things that are God's. Now, we go all the way back to Genesis, and there's a whole bunch of different scriptures. I'll only use a few of them here, but you go back to Genesis, and when God made man, God inscribed his name on man. God made you in his image. You're an image bearer of God, just like these coins were image bearers of Caesar. And so therefore, you, in your image, is a rightful bearer of the image of God. And so basically, he's saying this to them. He's saying, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But to God, you belong to God. God's name is inscribed on you. And we'll even see later on that God said, I am now putting a new heart inside you. And it's the heart of God inscribed by God. And it is reflecting God. And so render to God the things that are God's, which is your life. He even, in this, and it's implied in here, and, and, and they got it. That's why they marveled. He was saying this, you don't have to be opposed one to another. But remember this, the higher state is your life. And so render to him your life. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's. We're going to come back to that in a second. And then the Sadducees who, that, that, were, they didn't, or that were there, there was no resurrection in their beliefs. They came to him and they began to question him saying this, teacher, Moses wrote that if a man's brother dies and leaves behind a wife and leaves no child, his brother should take the wife and raise up offspring to his brother. And there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died, leaving no offspring, and the second took, took her and died, leaving behind no offspring, and the third likewise. So all seven left no offspring, 
Last of all, the women died. So in the resurrection, Jesus, when they rise again, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had her as a wife. Now, I was going to read this verse first because I think this verse first lays a stage for the, all the questions and all the things that were being asked. It says, and Jesus said, is this not the reason you're so mistaken? You do not understand the scriptures nor the power of God. I want to pause here for a minute because I don't want us to miss the two points that are given in this passage and these parables and this illustration. We can get lost in rendering paying taxes in Caesar, or we can get lost in, uh, is my wife going to be in heaven, and what's she going to be like with me in heaven? Now, there's some things we'll touch on, but that was not what God wanted to talk about. It was God just basically was showing you something different. He wanted to talk about two things. I'm going to say them now, and then we'll say them at the end. Two things is, one is, who is your authority, and whose life do you belong to? And he makes that point clear. The second thing is he is going to talk about the resurrection. And you're going to see that the resurrection is huge. Matter of fact, there's a verse in 1 Peter, and this is just one of the verses that talks about this. But did you know that uh, it says that blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the dead. Do you know that you're saved through the resurrection? You've always been said you're saved through the cross. The cross was only there to precede the resurrection because the resurrection was fulfilling and beginning the fulfillment of the purposes of God, and that was to put God back into man the way man was originally intended to have him, a living life of God inside us, and that could only happen as the resurrection took place, so you're saved through the resurrection of Christ. And you're going to see that God's intention was not just to get you out of hell and into heaven. God was to get himself placed inside you and inside me that we would have union with God and therefore would begin to reflect to a lost world the image of God. And so the resurrection is what's key here. He gives a little slight little deterrent in terms of the answer to this marriage deal. And I've seen so many people come to my office. I've had so many letters written. I, I, I heard a letter written just the other day, and very good questions and very good letters about a, a gal that was just madly in love with her husband, and they just thought, man, we had no idea marriage could be like this. And then her husband was taken by a disease, and she was crushed. And she went to this passage, and she was just greatly disturbed by the passage. But she thought that the passage here was answering the question that these guys had asked, and Jesus didn't really answer that question. His question was something quite a bit bigger than that. And Jesus said, is it not for this reason that you don't understand the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, neither, uh, they will neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. In the Psalms, God talks about, he says, may men speak of your power, of your awesome acts, and tell of your greatness. In Psalm 145, they will speak of the glory of your kingdom, and they'll talk of your power. 
So over and over, God is saying this. When you begin to know the Scriptures and know the, the whole context of the Scriptures and begin to see God's character revealed in the Scriptures, they will lead you to this unbelievable supernatural power of this God who is unlimited in our little teeny brains to comprehend it. And the answer to that little question here, and we can go into other places, but we're not going to stay there because we're going to spend some time on the resurrection, is this. Okay, what's going to happen in in heaven then with marriage? There's going to be no given in marriage. What's going to be happening if you've been married a couple times? What's going to happen if you were married to a real creep and they happen to make it into heaven? You can request to have be relocated. Every single flesh pattern in every wife and every husband, every one of those idiosyncrasies to get life out of themselves will no longer be there. They will be reflecting the purpose that they were designed to be from the very beginning when God says, it is finished. He sat down at the right hand of God and he said, it's done. Never will they be held against them any sin or any wrong that they ever do again. They will, at that day, begin to reflect the glory of what they were. They will, they will reflect the perfect purpose of what I raised them to be. There'll be no more conflict and no more arguing and no more selfishness. They'll be totally selfless. They'll be a total reflection of the image of God, and so therefore they'll reflect them. Now, in heaven... What is it going to be like with the husband's wife? And he says, there's not going to be given marriage. It would be like the angels. There's a whole lot in that statement that we're not going to go into. Let me tell you where I'm satisfied with this. And, uh, and I'll just tell you that I think that you ought to go ahead and leave a lot of it alone. God says in Deuteronomy, he says, the things that I've revealed to you so clearly, tell your children and tell your children's children. But the things that are hidden or even somewhat hidden, leave alone. I can tell you this, God says no good thing will I withhold from you. And far beyond anything you can even imagine, dream, or think is beyond anything you can imagine. Dream what you can imagine, the best of what best would be in heaven with your partner. It won't even come close to what God has prepared for you. Billy Graham, when he was in his mid-80s, he was in a group of a lot of elderly uh, leaders in our community, and... uh, And one of them got bold enough in the middle of the group. And he thought, hey, we're all mature here. So, Billy, is there going to be sex in heaven? And he said, you know, whatever God has prepared, it will be better than anything you can imagine, dream, or think. I can't answer the question, and he doesn't tell us that answer. But I know this, that everything that he gives us a picture of what things were on earth and then what they'll be in heaven is 100 times, 100 times whatever the experience of that was. He says, I don't know and I don't care because whatever he's got is going to be 100 times better than what that was. And it's going to be the same way for this. So let's leave that there and let's jump a little bit into the resurrection. Because what we have here is we have two principles that God brought, and he brought the principles so that he wasn't going to go ahead and say, I'm voting for the right or I'm voting for the left. He's saying, I'm voting for a new kingdom. And you're right. 
he was bringing a revolution, a revolt, and he had already been accused of that because he had always, just earlier, he was, he was riding in on a donkey as a new king. So they're thinking he's going to bring a revolution. Look at all the people following him. All of Jerusalem's following him. They're thinking about the revolt. But once again, they were thinking through the eyes of this world. He wasn't coming with guns and swords, and he wasn't come to bring a revolution in this kingdom. He had another kingdom that was already at work, and he was already preparing for that. He said, there will be a revolution. You can count on it. But it isn't going to be what you think. It isn't going to be if we can really get all the right people to get the left people over here, we'll have our kingdom. No. And if you can get the left people to have the right people to have a kingdom, he's saying no. It isn't between these two. Give to them whatever's them. And if you're going to go ahead and fight for this kingdom, you can run all the way to the right and all the way to the left. Go ahead and run, but give to God the things that are God. It's it's your very life that I'm asking for. Because your life is set for another kingdom, and that kingdom will be greater and way more permanent than the kingdom that we're fighting for on this planet. All the stuff that everybody tells you, the doomsday warners or that, they missed this point. They were like these people. They wanted people to side by side. Now, I'm not asking you not to vote and not to stand up for things you believe in, but I want you to know that where your life is should be way more involved in this other kingdom than in this kingdom. And it's the only place that there is peace. And this is going to take place, and he says here, basically, I am the God of the living, not of the dead. As Moses, he said, I'm the God of Moses, Isaac, and Jacob. They were alive. When they saw him in the transfiguration three weeks ago, when somebody spoke on that, they were alive. They were standing there alive. He said, he's the God of the living. You see, without the resurrection, we are most to be pitied in this place. If this is it, then we basically, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 says we should be pitied. But we're not. Because we're, we live with a God that was resurrected, and even people that didn't want to follow him, 500 people saw him raised from the dead, so that he could therefore come and trans, uh, basically transfer his life by the power of the Holy Spirit inside your life and inside my life. And it says we now become the resurrection. And he says no longer am I the God of the dead, but what of alive. And even when he dies and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die, for I am the living life. The pertinence of that we're going to see as we go to the rest of this chapter is the the living life and the resurrection of Christ is only possible as he rose from the dead and therefore was able to go ahead now and send forth his Holy Spirit living alive as as the perfect union of the Trinity that now can live inside your life and my life. That's the answer to the question he was telling these people. Everybody jumps at the two portions of Scripture. Do we pay taxes or do we get married in heaven? You missed the whole point. And the whole point here is whose life is it? I'm going to make a challenge to you. This came to me. Uh, uh, Some of you uh, were aware of my last couple weeks. I'm standing up here because pretty much of uh, the miracle of doctors. I had a total new hip uh, a couple weeks ago. 
And uh, I was going to say, okay, do I take the ramp or I take the stairs? Uh, do I take drugs or do I not take drugs before I get up here? And, uh, and the thing is, I'm not good with drugs. I, I don't like anesthesia. I, I get flipped out. I freak out. I'm, I'm weird. My mind thinks all kinds of things. And I, I, I said, God, it's like you took away my armor. I have nothing to warfare in the middle of the night. But the pain is horrible. So how, how are we going to figure this out? And I said, you know, I think I'm okay, and I think I can fight the fight if you'll give me my mind. But I said, this seems like an unfair fight. And at that time, obviously, you're kind of in and out of a hundred different thoughts, but I'm thinking about a message I'm giving when I get out, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about this thing, and the verse comes to me, render to God the things that are God's. And there's a lot of things that I think I do okay, I think I render to God, there's things that God has uh, rebuked me in, corrected me in, and I've yielded in, and I've said I can yield that, and there's things that uh, I found out that I'm, I don't know that I rendered to God. So my challenge to you is today, and, and when we finish here, boomer, a boomer's going to come up, and I think we're going to have a ch child dedication and the child dedication is simply one of these things. Are you going to render to God the things that are God's? And one of the things that God is asking you to give to God is your children. They're not yours. You think they are. You get to babysit them for a while. But pretty much the parent gets them and gets to take care of them. And so I'm going to challenge you just today to think about something. And if only one of these things strikes you, then spend your time on one of them. If I hit a nerve, uh, don't get mad at me. Just say, hey, why did that hit a nerve? Uh, while I was thinking, laying in that hospital bed, I was thinking of these things, of what to render to God. And some of these, I said, came easy. There was one that came very hard. And to be honest with you, while I was laying on the bed, I did not render it. I did not render it till about two days ago. And then God put on my heart today, why were you unable to render it to me? And the verse came to me that we just read. Isn't this the reason that you do not understand the scriptures, nor do you understand the power and love of God? If we embrace and get to know the scriptures, you will get to know God. And when you get to know God, you get to know this an unbelievable power that says it is wrapped in love. Then God says, then no good thing, Bill, will I ever withhold from you. And if there's anything that I believe is good for you, I will give it to you. Anything that I think will damage you, I will not give it to you. So I basically had to come back to realize, you know what it is, God? I didn't trust you. I didn't understand your power. Here's a few things I want you to think about. Render to God the things that are God. Let's start with your possessions. I think if I were you, I would list everything you own. I'd list your stocks, your bonds, your, your money under your mattress. Uh, I would, uh, some of us still do things like that. Okay? Uh, I would render to God the things that are God. Saying, God, this is not mine. This belongs to you. 
All the possessions I have came from you. Is it not true? In 2 Chronicles, God's, uh, David is praying a prayer, and he says, God, I look at the things, oh, almighty God, a God above all gods, supernatural above all gods, and it says, and yet you have been the one provided all these things to build your temple. Have we not just taken from your right hand and given to your left? Did not the money that we got over here belong to you anyway? Who are we fooling that we go ahead and take this and think, oh, God, look what I'm giving you. God's saying, I just gave it to you. List your possessions, all that you own. That includes your motorcycles, your house, your boat, your cars, all your toys, your bikes. I even would go through and list everything in your closet. You don't have to do them one by one. You can say all of my shirts, all of my coats. It's amazing when you start to render and say, God, it's free. Everything I'm releasing, guess what? I can't lose anymore because I no longer own it. Then I would list your business. Some of you are just getting ready to leave your business, and you're kind of seeing how to get out of it right. Some of you are just beginning a business. Render to God the things that are God, and I give them your business. Guess what, God, whatever you want this business to turn out, I'll put in my effort, but however it turns out, it's yours. It no longer belongs to me. I render to you. Wow, this life's getting easier. Your security, your ability to feel safe. I get so many people come to me that are so wrapped in fear, they can hardly stand it because they're just fear of what might happen or somebody hurt, getting hurt. Basically, render to God the things that are God's. It's your life. Here, here's one today that's bombarded every, used to be just mostly gals, but it's gals and guys. Your body image. Your body image, what it looks like. I didn't have any idea. I didn't think anything of that I was at cotton body image. I get out of this dumb state that I've been in, haven't been able to exercise, and looked in the mirror, and how in three weeks did everything completely fall apart? <laughs> I have, the skin just hangs on my arm like this. It's got wrinkles on it. I did, I did gain a little weight right here. And I thought, well, that's not fair. God said, so you're going to render that to me? And I said, you got it. The more I look, I said, this is just, the effort to now get this back is going to be way too much. But here's one that I hadn't rendered. Well, let, let me get the other ones. Your relationships. These are, these are darling spots, especially when they come to spouses and children and parents. Now I have grandchildren. I had a grand son spend the night last night and I come in when they're sleeping and I look over and my heart is just grabbed by the love for these kids and God's saying that's another thing render to God the things that are God's do your job grandparent them well but they belong to me all the way to the point that their life belongs to me that if something should happen, because you can live in fear of something happening, render to God the things that are God's. Here's the one that I held on to until a couple days ago, and then we'll close with this. I felt that when my capacity and my mind messed up by all the drugs, and I this just kind of lost thinking, I said, God, I can't live like this. You can't have that. 
You've got to give me the solidness of my mind so that I can grab and go back to the resources of you and your word that are hidden in scriptures. Folks, I couldn't grab any of it. It was gone. Scriptures that I had known for 50 years could not even come into my head. They came all gobbled. And I felt like I was in a warfare with no sword, no shield. And I said, I can't render you that. And this other verse said, then you're mistaken. It's because you do not know the scriptures or you do not know me. Bill, I love you. And my power is way greater than that. I will not abandon you, nor will I forsake you. So if I can go ahead, and I said, wow, it's because I still don't trust you. I somehow think that if I can have my capacity, I can fight this war better. And he said, no, what you needed is to be so bankrupt that only the divine supernatural me coming in was the only one that was going to reconcile and save you, not you yourself. Pray with me as a boomer comes forward. Father, you are you're fascinating. I, I, I know we skipped over a little bit here, but it says that these people were so amazed at how you answered that nobody ever dared ask him these kind of questions again. And I think, Father, it's not because we look at him and think, wow, was that so intelligent. It's because they pierced to their heart. They pierced to their soul. And I know there are people sitting out here today and some standing that you've pierced their heart that says, God, I have been unwilling to basically give to you the things that are yours. And today, at least, let's start the process. Have what you want out of me because you're good, you're powerful, you're loving, you're kind, and you'll withhold no good thing. And let us long for this resurrected life that dwells within us so that we will be resurrected into that kingdom. And in two weeks, Lord, we're going to talk about that place in heaven that we are all going and what that's going to be like. Keep our mind fixed on those things and not the trivial things that this world argues over. And we ask you to give it to us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Good morning, Rimrock. How are you today? Good. I want to invite the Gladders and the Burbos families to come on up and just stand right here on this side. While they're coming up, let me explain to you what we're doing. A couple times a year at Rimrock, we uh, encourage and invite uh, parents uh, to come forward and to publicly kind of um, uh, declare uh, that they understand that when God gave them the blessing of children, that he also gave them a responsibility to pass faith uh, to their kids. Our number one priority in children's ministry is to help and encourage and equip moms and dads to lead their kids to know love and follow Jesus. And so this morning, the Gladder family uh, is here with uh, Olin, and, uh, and the Burbos family is here with Oliver. And uh, we love having cute people up on stage, right? Isn't that true? Yes. Sorry, Tom. But we love it when cute people come up on stage. And, uh, and they're awesome, right? We love 
love our families and love our little ones. And so um, I've had conversations with both of these families this week as they're considering uh, the, the statement that they're going to make. I try to limit the public speaking because that's really scary for some people. And so um, I'm going to uh, ask them some questions. They're ready to answer those questions. Uh, but I want you guys to be listening because at the end there's a question for you as well. Um, as a, their church family. So here's the first question. Um, families, do you understand from reading scripture that God has commissioned you as parents to impress God's word on your children and help them discover how to live in relationship with God? All right. It's impossible for you to pass on something that you don't have. And so are you saying today that you're recommitting your life and your pursuit of Jesus so that you have a faith to be able to pass to your kids? Awesome. Are you pledging today to intentionally model and to teach your kids what faith in Christ looks like in everyday life? Yes. And then the last question is, are you asking this church to support you in the adventure of raising children who know, love, and follow Jesus. Okay, did you hear that? Now they're asking that of you guys, okay? Now there's no, um, there's like, you do, we're not kicking you out if you don't say yes to this. So just honestly, if, if you're willing to come along these uh, families uh, to help them, here's the question that I wanna ask to you guys today. Are you willing to support these families through encouragement, through prayer, and at times even serving them to help them succeed in the commission that God has placed on them? Church family? All right. Now, here's what I want you guys to hear. You're not in it by yourselves. We were talking in our parenting class this morning that sometimes our, the days seem long, but the years seem short. Right, And in the midst of those long days, sometimes we can feel very, very isolated. And um, we're not in it alone, none of us at any stage, right? So those of you who have launched your children and you're like, oh, empty nesthood, retirement, please don't feel like you're done. Would you please come back and help the rest of us who are still finishing our race, who are still in the journey? And would you give us words of encouragement and words of hope that, hey, enjoy the time and these seasons will pass, all right? I'm gonna pray for these families and then we're gonna uh, sing one more song together uh, before, we're, uh, before we uh, leave to our mission field. Let's, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for these families and I thank you for the work that you're doing in their lives. I thank you for the relationship that you've called them to personally. I thank you for the... Um, the understanding that you've revealed to them about their own uh, blessing with their children, but also responsibility to demonstrate, model, and intentionally pass faith to their kids. God, we're asking for your encouragement in that. We're asking for your strength in that. We're asking for your wisdom in that as well. God, uh, we're asking that you would just live your life through us as parents that our kids would see an accurate reflection of Jesus Christ in our homes. God, thank you for these parents. Thank you for their courage to come up front today. God, we love you and we worship you today. Amen.
Shout Jesus from the mountain, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. And Jesus for our family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Let's sing that again as a prayer, come on. Shout Jesus from this mountain, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. And Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is Your name is healing, your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. I just want to speak, let's sing this second. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus Amen first verse say I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus Amen Amen God bless you guys have a great week, right? We see you Wednesday night. The shout Jesus. Jesus for my family. 